Hello, this is Peggy Joyce Ruth. Welcome to our podcast and hope you enjoy this teaching. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org. Now, all through the Old Testament, God made covenant promises to His people. In fact, it was just like one by one by one, He would reveal these new covenant promises all through the Old Testament. And every single time that God revealed one of these new covenant promises, now, He would introduce Himself by a new name. And that new covenant name now spelled out the new promise. In fact... For every promise that God made, he had a name that described that promise. It's so much fun to go through the Old Testament and see all these different covenant names and see all the different covenant promises. Now, there's seven main covenant names. Of course, there's many more than seven, but seven of the more popular names. And so first, I'm going to tell you the seven main names, covenant names of God, and then I'm going to show you a very unique pearl in the Old Testament that revealed all seven covenant promises and all seven covenant names at the same time. We're going to see the Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Jehovah Jireh simply means the Lord who provides. Then Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. The Jehovah Shamish, it's spelled S-H-A-M-M-A-H. And this is the Lord who is ever present. Then the Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. The Jehovah Nisi, N-I-S-S-I, which means the Lord my banner or the Lord my protection. Then the Jehovah Ma'uz, and that means the Lord my strength. And then the Jehovah Sidkenu, which means the Lord my righteousness. Now, these were seven of his covenant names, but they were also describing his promises. He was saying, I'm going to be the Lord who provides whatever you need. I'm going to be the Lord who heals you. I'm going to be the Lord who is ever-present. I'm going to be the Lord who gives you peace, a peace that passes human understanding. I'm going to be the Lord that is a banner of protection over you. I'm going to be the Lord who gives you strength, and I'm going to be the Lord who brings you righteousness. Now, I want you to turn to Psalm 23. And I want you to put a marker there at Psalm 23 because in this psalm now, God is going to present himself as our great shepherd. And then within the confines of the shepherd, he's going to show us all these different covenant promises that he's made to us. Now, what is a shepherd? Now, a shepherd is just one who tends the flock. He's the one who leads and guides and protects and just generally takes care of the sheep. That word is ro'ah. The Jehovah ro'ah is the Hebrew word now for shepherd. And Psalm 23 is a description of our Jehovah ro'ah. And when you look carefully now within this description of our Jehovah ro'ah, you're going to find all seven of these covenant promises. Now, all seven of these covenant promises are included in this. You can find a lot more than that, but I want you to at least see these seven. And then after today, I think you'll never read Psalm 23 again and see it in the same light. I think it's going to mean so much more to you than ever before because it's so all-inclusive. Okay, now verse 1 in Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you'll notice, this is describing the Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, because our shepherd is our provider. And so this is not a request, if you'll notice. This is just a calm, confident statement of fact. He's saying, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I'm not going to want for any good thing. 
Now, we don't have to beg God for one thing. One of the Old Testament names of God is the El Shaddai. And when you look that up, this indicates a, a God who knows our needs before we ever have a need, before we even know that we have a need, and makes provision for them ahead of time. Okay, I thought about that, and the Lord reminded me of what we do as parents. You know, a parent doesn't wait until the baby comes and then take the baby home and discover all these needs and discover, oh my goodness, I need a bottle for that baby. I'm going to need formula for the baby. I'm going to need diapers. You know, that's not what happens. A parent knows exactly what that baby needs ahead of time. And by the time they bring the baby home from the hospital, I mean, they have all these things supplied. They've got the bottles and the diapers and the, everything that's needed. Okay, now that's a picture of our Lord. He knows exactly what we're going to need and he's made it available to us before the need ever comes up, before we ever even know that we have a need. See, Matthew 6 verse 8 says that your father knows what you have need of ahead of time. He knows what you have need of before you ever ask. And then Philippians 4.19 then goes on to say that God supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Okay, if you'll notice what that's saying, he's not barely supplying what we need. That's telling us that he is supplying our need in accordance or in line with all of his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. It's all provided in the Good Shepherd. It's all provided in the Messiah, Christ Jesus. So verse 1 is basically saying, simply because he's my shepherd, then I, I shall not want. I won't have a need because it's already going to be supplied. Now we need to memorize that. And then you need to memorize Psalm 46 verse 10 because God says to cease striving and know that I'm God. In other words, he's saying cease striving and know that I'm your good shepherd. Now, most of us are just in a continual state of striving to have all of our needs met. Have you ever felt yourself churning because you're thinking, oh, golly, I need this, I've, I've got to do this, uh, you know, and, and you're just constantly striving to have all those needs met. But see, he's saying, I want you to stop your striving, and I want you to realize I am your shepherd, therefore you're not going to have any needs. I'm going to supply every need that you have. Okay, now this first statement in Psalm 23 now is the theme of the entire psalm. The, the Roah, the shepherd, and the Jireh, the Lord who provides now, these both come from the same root word. Now I think it's interesting that the Lord revealed himself first as our Jehovah Jireh in, in this psalm before he revealed anything else. And if you'll remember in the Old Testament, he revealed himself first as the Jehovah Jireh. There in, in Genesis 22, he was talking to Abraham and Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son and God said, no, go get the ram out of the, the fence. And this is when he introduced himself with his first covenant name. I am the Lord who provides. Now, if we could ever possibly have a revelation of the shepherd as our total provider, then it would eliminate the greatest source of human worry. Do you know what the greatest source of human worry is? It's tomorrow. That's our greatest source of, of worry because when you think about it, we're always, when we worry, it's always about something future tense. You know, there's a story told that after World War II, and this is a true story, that all of the refugee children were gathered up and they were put in this orphanage and they were given food. They had plenty of food for them. They had plenty of clothing for them and it was manned by a staff of people who really loved these children. But they would cry themselves to sleep every single night. All of the children, they said when they would put them into bed, they would all just cry until they couldn't cry anymore. 
Well, the authorities got together and they tried to decide what on earth they could do. And they said, we're providing every need that they have. And so they were perplexed. They thought, we don't know what to do. And finally, one of the staff said, I have an idea. They said, after we get them fed and after we put them to bed at night, then I want us to go around and hand each child a piece of bread. And we're going to tell that child not to eat the bread, but just hold that bread in their hand because that is for tomorrow. I said, they said, tell them every time you hand them the bread, don't eat this. This is for tomorrow. And immediately the crying stopped. They didn't have any more crying. See, these children had been so used to going hungry. These children had been so used to worrying whether or not they were going to have the next meal that it had set up a dread. It had set up a fear on the inside of them. And so that piece of bread literally became like a a security blanket to them. See, that bread was the security that they were going to be taken care of tomorrow, that they were going to have their needs met the next day. Well, do you realize that that's exactly what God's done for us? See, the Lord has literally become our bread. He's the bread who's come down to us from heaven. And this is our security. This is what we hang on to, to know that all of our needs are going to be met. This is where we realize, Lord, I have my great shepherd. I'm not going to have another need. I'm his sheep and every need I have is being met in him. He is my Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. Now, I want you to think about the sheep. They're not night creatures. You know, there are a lot of animals, and they'll spend the night going around scavenging around the houses and out in the open fields because they're trying to get food for the next day. But a sheep doesn't do that. You'll never find a sheep up at night trying to scavenger around and try to find food. See, they have the instinct to just lie down knowing that their shepherd is going to supply everything that they need. Well, now that's a type and shadow because we're sheep and we need to be able to lie down and rest and be at peace and to trust that our Jehovah Jireh is going to take care of us. He's our total provider. Okay, out beside verse 1, then you need to write Jehovah Jireh because that's exactly what he's introducing to us here when he said, I shall not want. Then in verse 2, And the first part of verse 3 said, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Okay, notice it says He leads me. He doesn't drive us. He goes before us and He says, I am the way. He's saying, follow me, I'm the way. Okay, now I want you to look at the difference that you feel if this had said in verse 2, He drives me beside still waters. You know, there would be something about that 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 would just kind of go against the grain. But he doesn't do that. You know, we drive cattle. But Jesus, our good shepherd, goes ahead of us and he shows us the way. And that's what the shepherd does with the sheep. And it says that he leads us beside still waters. Another translation says waters of rest. You know, if you've ever seen shallow water and it's going across the rocks, well, it'll just bounce over those rocks and it's real noisy and there's a lot of activity. But deep water, even though it may be moving, it's quiet and it's peaceful. So the Jehovah Ra'ah, the shepherd now, is showing himself here in verse 2 as our Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Now, that's another covenant promise. He promises that he will give us his peace. He is our peace. You know, have you ever looked at a picture of maybe a beautiful lake and all the green pastures and you just stood there and looked at it and all of a sudden you just felt this peace just come all over you. Just, you know, it just sort of started at your head and just went down over your body and you just felt this peace. You just felt so relaxed. Well, that's why he describes himself as the one now who leads us beside the still, 
peaceful waters because he is our Jehovah Shalom. He is the God who brings peace to us. He literally gives himself to us to be our peace. Isaiah 26 verse 3, you can look it up later. But he says, the mind that is stayed on him, he will keep in perfect peace. In other words, when we keep our mind dwelling on the Lord, dwelling on the things of God, then we come to a place now where we enter into a rest. It's a constant rest. It's a peace. It's a trust walk. Now, if we want it badly enough, he will lead us beside these still waters and he will allow us to experience this kind of peace. Now, it's always been so easy for me to get rushed and boy, I'll be in a hurry and I think of all these things that I've got to get done and there's nothing that upsets Jack more than that. He doesn't like that. And so Jack has constantly prayed over me that God will give me a calm, quiet spirit. He's always praying that over me. Well, this is a desire of my heart and I'm making some progress, but I do want to come to a place where I experience the Jehovah Shalom in a deeper way than I've ever experienced in that way before. That's a desire of my heart. And that's what this Psalm 23 is about, is for us to find all these different promises and say, Lord, I want to experience you in this way more than I've ever experienced you that way before. And you'll find areas here, you're going to find some of these promises and you're going to think, no, I haven't experienced him that way. Or I haven't experienced him that way as much as I would like to. And that's what this is for, for you to come in and say, Lord, you're my shepherd. Now I want to experience you in every one of these different covenant ways. You know, there's never been a time when people in the world as a whole have had so many things go wrong with them physically. You know, with all the medical knowledge and all the medical advancements that we read about, I mean, we have all these medical scientists that are learning so many things about the human body, and yet we find more and more people getting sick with new diseases that we've never heard of. And I'm convinced that a lot of this comes from not knowing the Lord as our Jehovah Shalom. I think a lot of the illnesses that are coming today uh, are coming because of the stress, because we're not entering into the rest that he's provided. See, the more that we come to the place where we experience him, him as the God of peace, our Jehovah Shalom, the more it's going to have an effect on our physical body. Because, see, our physical body will immediately start responding to that peace that he has to offer to us. See, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In other words, he'll give us that peace because he is the Jehovah Shalom. Now, Philippians tells us that his kind of peace passes human understanding. Well, that's just simply telling us that God has the ability to give us a peace that we can never mentally comprehend. The world's not going to understand it because it's a supernatural peace. Now, this peace is only offered now to his children. But unfortunately, any even many of God's own children have never experienced it. I think that's probably the saddest thing is to look around in the body of Christ and see how few of God's children are really experiencing him as their Jehovah Shalom. Okay, it goes on then, the promise in verse 3 goes on to say that he restores my soul. That's a part of his being our Jehovah Shalom. Well, what does it mean that he restores our soul? I want you to notice that when you're disquieted and, and when you're harassed and when you're in a, in a big hurry, your mind is racing. A lot of times you're not even able to sleep at night. Have you ever gone to bed at night and you just couldn't shut your mind down? Your mind was going 90 miles an hour and you were thinking of all these things that you needed to do and your emotions were just churning? 
Okay, that's your soulish ram. Your mind and your emotions are a part of your soulish ram. Now, when your mind is racing and when your emotions are churning, then your soul is in a disquieted state. But as we come to know him as our Jehovah Shalom, then literally it becomes a restoration of our soulish ram. It's a restoring of our peace in the, in the soul realm. And that's why he's saying right here in the first part of verse 3 that he restoreth my soul. Okay, out beside then, verse 2 and the first part of verse 3, you need to write Jehovah Shalom. Write that in. Okay, the last part of verse 3 says that he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Okay, paths of righteousness. That simply means right paths. Okay, he is going to lead us into the right paths, into the paths where we need to walk. Now remember the promise in Proverbs, Proverbs 3 verse 5 that tells us if we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, if we lean not to our own understanding, if we acknowledge him in all of our ways, what will he do? He'll direct our paths. And he says that he will do it for his name's sake. Now, we know that that means that he does it for the sake of his name. In other words, he does it so that his name will not be dishonored. As we walk in right pathways and, and the paths of righteousness, then it does bring honor to his name. But it also means something else. Have you ever seen an old-timer taking his little grandson or maybe his great-grandson with him, and he'll introduce him and he'll say, this is my little namesake, he's named after me. You ever heard that? My granddad used to take my brother around and I would hear him say, this is my namesake. Okay, that's what we are. We are God's namesake. We're named after him, just exactly like a wife takes on the name of her husband. See, we've taken on God's name. So not only does God lead us in right pathways for his namesake, but he also does it for us too because we're his namesake. And if we'll allow him to do so, he will literally pick us up if we're headed in the wrong direction and he'll pick us up and put us in another pathway. There's so many times that I, I pray the Lord's Prayer and I say, Lord, lead me. <laughs> lead me in the right path. Pick me up this day and put me over in another pathway. Now, nothing reveals our character more than that of a sheep. And that's why he refers to himself as our shepherd. You know, you can take a dog or you can take a cat and you can drop it off maybe Oh, a long way from home. And many times they'll find their way back home. But it's just exactly the opposite with a sheep. They don't have the instinct to find them their way home. You know, they can be maybe just a few yards from their own property. And if they can't find their way, they just lie down in the bar ditch and die. But see, it's because the sheep has no sense of direction on its own. See, that's why the sheep has to have the shepherd. That's what the shepherd's for. The shepherd is the one that leads that sheep. Now, we find that sheep even have a tendency to stray, and if one sheep begins to stray, what happens? All the other sheep, you know, they follow this one sheep that's going to stray, and they take off after it. Okay, that's a tremendous analogy here, because the sheep only has the sense of direction as it's following the shepherd. Now, we're the large spiritual sheep, and if we're not careful, we're going to find that we have the same tendency as those physical sheep, because you know, we're going to find that we can be swayed so easily by the world and we can be swayed so easily by other sheep that have been deceived. And that happens until we submit ourselves totally to the good shepherd. Till we come to the place where we look to him daily to take us down those right pathways. And that's what he's waiting for. He's saying, I'm your good shepherd. 
I'm the one who will lead you in right pathways. Now, the shepherd that takes us down the right pathway is describing the Jehovah Sid Canu. He's describing the Lord our righteousness. See, he not only is our righteousness, but he also leads us in right pathways. Now, does it make you feel good that God will put you in the right path? I love it to realize that I don't have to always find the right pathway by myself. If I'll trust God, he'll see to it that I get in the right pathway. Okay, now so far in the first three verses, he has revealed three of his covenant names. He's revealed three of his covenant promises. He's revealed himself as the Jehovah Jireh. He's revealed that name in, in verse one and the promises that he provides. And he has described it by saying, I shall not want. You're not going to want if I'm your shepherd. And then in verse 2, he's described his name, the Jehovah Shalom, and the promise is the peace. And he's described that by telling us that he'll lead us beside the still waters. And then in verse 3, he's described his name as the Jehovah Sidkenu through his righteousness, the promise is righteousness, by telling us that he'll lead us in paths of righteousness. Okay, then the next covenant name that he reveals in the first part of verse 4. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for thou art with me. Now I want us to break that down. He's revealing himself here as the Jehovah Shamish, the Lord ever present, the Lord that is ever near. You know, in the Strongs it says, the Lord ever present, the Lord who is near, the Lord that is thither. Now, I'd never heard that word before, the Lord that's thither. Well, I looked it up, and that means near. And I don't know if you've ever heard your grandmother, but this was a, a, a word that they used year, years ago, and they would say, well, it's either thither or yon. And they were, they were saying it's either near or far. And so that's what that word thither means. Well, he is our Jehovah that is thither. He's the Jehovah that's near. That's one of his covenant promises. And he says, I will never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. If you'll look in the margin of your Bible, many of your Bibles will have out there in the margin that it's also translated the valley of deep darkness. Now, it doesn't necessarily just mean physical death there. He's saying, I will be with you as you're going through the valley of deep darkness. You know, at one time or another, we're all going to go through times in our lives when we're going through darkness. You all remember of times when you felt so alone and you felt like, oh, you know, this is just a dark time in my life. But he has made covenant with us and he's offered us this promise now that he will always be there for us no matter what we're going through, no matter how much of a valley of deep darkness it might seem like. He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Now, if I ask for a show of hands today, of how many of you believe that God's always with you and that he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you, I think that everyone in this room would probably hold up your hand and you'd say, yes, I believe that. God will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. But yet, when we go through a, a valley of deep darkness, many times we have to be reminded that he is our Jehovah Shamish. Sometimes we have to be reminded that even though I'm going through this time uh, of darkness, Lord, you've promised me that as my shepherd, you are my Jehovah Shamish. You're the Lord that's ever near. See, we have a tendency to forget that, but this is one of his most magnificent promises to us. There's nothing more wonderful than to know that he's with me. He's my Jehovah Shamish. He is never going to leave me, and he's never going to forsake me. 
And he's going to be with me every moment of every day, no matter whether I'm walking in the sunshine that day or in the darkness, because the psalmist says, Behold, thou art with me. Now, as this becomes a reality to us and we start realizing, Lord, you're always there. You're my Jehovah Shamish. As we realize that, then the next part of verse 4 then becomes real to us too. Because it goes on to say, because you're always with me, therefore I will not fear. I'll fear no evil. Now, I want you to look up Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. Leave a marker here. But I want you to mark this Deuteronomy in your Bibles. It's a good promise. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. It's just a companion scripture that goes with Psalm 23. And it says, The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you, nor will he forsake you. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. There are so many scriptures throughout the word of God allowing us to know that we don't have to be afraid. And he's saying, you don't have to be afraid. Why? Every time he tells us, you don't have to be afraid, he immediately, within the context of that scripture, he says, the reason you don't, don't have to be afraid is because I am with you. Okay, who can fear when we really know that he's there and he's not going to leave us? Now, no wonder Psalm 91 says, you're not going to be afraid of the terror by night. And you're not going to be afraid of all the arrows that fly by day. And you're not going to have to be afraid of all the pestilence and the sickness and the diseases. You're not going to be afraid of the destruction because you're dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. In other words, you're staying up close to the Lord. And when we know Him then as our Jehovah Shammah, as we know Him as the Lord who is ever present, then we're not going to fear any of those things. Now, one of my favorite scriptures is Hebrews 13, verse 5, the last part of verse 5, out of the Amplified. And I'm going to read that to you. Because God says, For God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you. I will not in any way give you up. I will not leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, nor relax my hold on you. Assuredly, I will not. I can remember when I was going through uh, so many different kinds of fears. I would keep that particular scripture written out in the Amplified, and I would just say that over and over because it would give me so much peace to realize that God's promised me he's not going to fail me. He's not going to give me up. He's not going to leave me without support. Now, that can be emotional support. That can be financial support. That can be any kind of support that you need. And then he doesn't just say, I will not once. He said, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, forsake you, let you down, or relax my hold on you. Doesn't it make you feel good to know that God just has a tight grip on you and he's not even going to relax his hold on you? And he said, assuredly, I will not. Now, that's a beautiful promise. And we can only realize that now in our spirit as we come to the place now where we know our shepherd as the Jehovah Shamish, the one that's ever present. Okay, I want you to turn to Isaiah 43. And in Isaiah 43, starting with the last part of verse 1, he's just reiterating that promise again. He said, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. He said, I've called you by name, you're mine. Isn't it wonderful to know that God calls us by name? He knows us by name, and he tells each one of us, you're mine. And then he says, when you walk through the waters, I'm going to be with you. 
When you walk through the river, it'll not overflow you. We sing a song about this. The songwriter used this very text. He said, when you walk through the fire, you're not going to be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. I love that. We find continually through the Old and the New Testament, he's saying, don't be afraid because I am with you. Franklin D. Roosevelt said, the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. And I thought about that because that's quite a statement. Okay, why do we need to fear fear? Well, it's because the things that we continually think on and fear are the things that we draw to ourselves. See, fear is like a magnet. And, and if we continue to fear something, it, we literally in the spiritual realm draw it to ourselves. But see, 1 John 4 verse 18 says that perfect love now is going to cast out that fear. When we start knowing our Jehovah Shamish, as, as we realize how much he loves us, then that perfect love is what's going to cast out all that fear. Okay, out beside then that verse 3a and the first part of verse 4, write Jehovah Shamish. And then look at the last part of verse 4. In the last part of verse 4, he's saying, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Okay, here he's showing himself now as our Jehovah Maus. He's showing his strength. He's showing another covenant promise that he is the Lord who will strengthen us. Now, the rod and the staff were the things that the shepherd kept with him at all times. Now, that rod was a sharp club, and it was used to protect the sheep when the wolves or, or, or when the bear would come. That shepherd would club off the enemy to keep the enemy off of his sheep. Now, you'll hear people mistakenly say at times, oh, God just is disciplining me. I'm sick. I'm flat of my back in bed because God's just disciplining me about something. Listen, that's not our God. That's not our shepherd. See, the Lord doesn't discipline us in the physical realm. He disciplines us in our spirit. He disciplines us with the word of God. And a shepherd would never use the club on the sheep. See, no animal keeper now would ever purposely break the leg of a sheep because any shepherd can tell you that an animal's broken leg is not going to heal very well. It, it, it's going to always give him a problem. And so the shepherd would never harm his sheep. He always used the rod on the enemy, and he used the rod to protect the sheep. In other words, he used his strength to protect the sheep. And then he used his staff, which was a long, slender pole with a, a, a crook on the end, and he would use that staff to pull the sheep then back in line and keep them herded in the right direction. Now, God will do exactly the same thing for us. See, he'll use his club to fight our battles if we'll allow him to. He said, I'm the God that fights your battle. But we have to look to him. We have to depend upon him for that. And then he'll use his staff to keep us herded in the right direction as we allow him to do that. And I want you to notice that it also says that the rod and the staff will comfort me. You need to circle that word comfort. See, when we realize that he's using his rod now to protect us and his staff to guide us and direct us, that is a tremendous comfort. Now, the sheep is a helpless animal. I, I don't know any instinct that the sheep has to protect himself. He doesn't have any claws. He doesn't have any sharp teeth. He can't run fast. You know, he, he doesn't let off any offensive odor like a, a skunk or anything. See, the shepherd is the sheep's only real protection when you think about it. Okay, by the same token, we as spiritual sheep have no other protection, really, other than our, our Lord, other than our good shepherd. 
And we come to a place many times when we try to protect ourselves and we try to defend ourselves. But you know what? We're fooling ourselves when we try to do that because we cannot. It's just a joke when we think that we're going to protect ourselves. John 15 verse 5 says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, he's to be our strength. He's to be our protector. And yet many times what we're doing, while we're just striving and we're trying to protect ourselves, and he's saying, cease striving and know that I'm God. Know that I am your Jehovah Moses. Now Genesis 2 verse 7 says that he breathed into man the breath of life. And as we allow him to do so, he will breathe into us again and he will fill us anew with his spirit. And then we find in Acts 13 verse 52 that every single time that we're filled anew with the Spirit of God, it tells us that we're filled anew with joy. It tells us that, that as the Spirit uh, flows in us, that literally it brings a new joy in us. And what is our joy? The joy of the Lord is our strength. So not only is he our external strength, but he's also our internal strength. He's the Jehovah Moses that strengthens us inwardly and outwardly. He strengthened us in our soul and in our physical body. Okay, look at the first part of verse 5. He says, Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You know, when we think about coming to the Lord's table that he's prepared for us, I think of several things. You know, I think of first coming to the Word and feasting on the Word of God. And then sometimes we think of the Lord's table as taking communion, taking uh, the bread and uh, the, the blood of Jesus. And then we also many times think of the marriage feast. Now feasts were a vital part of all the Old Testament celebrations. And what the Lord has said is that he'll set a feast before you in the presence of your enemies. You know, when Jack and I first married, we had this cute little dog and we would put his food out every afternoon on the porch. Well, we didn't realize that the other dogs in the neighborhood were coming immediately and they were scaring him off and they were eating his food. Well, when we realized that, I started putting the food out for him and I would sit there and I would let him eat while I sat on the porch with him. And what was fun was to watch and see all those other dogs in the neighborhood and they would be out in the street and they were just waiting, waiting for me to leave. And of course, I waited until he had completely finished eating. And they didn't dare come as long as I was sitting on the porch. I was his protection. So he was literally eating in the presence of his enemies. Now, that blessed me so much because I realized that's exactly what God does for us. One day when I was sitting there and I was watching my little dog eat, I thought, God, that's what you do. You just prepare a table for us and you just allow us to eat right there in the presence of our enemies. And so basically what God's saying, he's saying, you know, you're seated together with me in heavenly places. You're, and, and we are spiritually, we are already seated together with Christ Jesus in heavenly places far above principalities and powers. And when we come into his presence, and when we partake of, of his protection and his shelter, then we can partake of everything that he has for us. We can feast on all of his wonderful provisions literally in the presence of our enemies. That's a wonderful promise. So again, with that, he's showing himself as our Jehovah Moses, our strength. So you need to write that out in the margin. Okay, look at the last part of verse 5. It says, thou hast anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. Okay, this is revealing the shepherd as our Jehovah Rapha. See, when the sheep would come up and, and have a wound, what would the shepherd do? The shepherd would take the oil and he would pour the oil in that wound and it became a, a healing 
ointment. James 5 verse 14 says, Is any among you sick? And then he went on to say, Let the one who is sick call for the elders, and they will anoint him with oil. And if he's committed any sins, they'll be forgiven, and they, then he will recover. Okay, he is our Jehovah Rapha. And when we realize that he's our Jehovah Rapha and he's pouring the oil in, into our wounds and he's continually healing us, truly our cup runneth over. See, he doesn't just fill our cup of blessing once, but he overflows that cup. Ephesians 3.20 says that he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything that we can think or even know to ask. So he goes so far beyond our fondest desires. And truly our cup runneth over with salvation, with health and with healing. So out beside verse 5 then, write Jehovah Rapha. And then verse 6 says, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, now that word surely, if you look it up, it also means only. So you can read that, only goodness and loving kindness. Some of your translations will say mercy, will follow me all the days of my life. That's a wonderful, beautiful promise. See, only mercy and only loving kindness and, and only goodness now will follow us all the days of our life as long as we're staying there with our good shepherd. Now notice that every word that's mentioned here because he's saying these blessings now, the goodness, the loving kindness, the mercy, he's saying all these blessings will, will follow us. They'll come upon us. Now you can tell the difference between the real blessings of God and those blessings now that are coming from the enemy that deceive us and take us in the wrong direction because any time that it's a blessing coming from God, it's going to come from behind and overtake you. In Deuteronomy 28 verse 1, you can look it up later, but the Lord says, as you obey me, he says the blessings will come from behind and overtake you. It's just kind of like a tidal wave. Have you ever stood out in the ocean and the wave would come and it would just literally flood over you? Just, just almost knock you down. Well, that's what the blessings of the Lord are like. They come from behind and they just wash over you almost to the point sometimes that you feel like you're going to be knocked down by the blessings of God because they're so abundant. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first His righteousness and then all these blessings will come upon you. See, God's blessings come upon you as you're seeking after the Lord, as you're seeking after the good shepherd, seeking after His kingdom. The enemy tries to deceive us because he puts us all these things out in front of us and he's saying, you know, you need to pursue this. You need to pursue uh, finances. You need to pursue all these different things. And it's out there in front of us. And any time we start seeking after the blessings, those blessings are out there to distract us. They're out there to lure us in the wrong direction. And that's how we can know whether we're headed the right direction or not. It's when we're seeking after the blessings, then that's a distraction to get us the wrong way. But God's way is different. You know, it always comes when we're seeking first the kingdom, seeking first the Lord. Then the blessings come from behind. Then we're going to dwell or we're going to remain in the presence of the Lord forever. We're going to remain under His wing, under His protection. Now later look up Numbers 2 verse 2. But it said, As the children of Israel set up camp in the wilderness, they would all put up a flag. See, there were 12 different tribes. And so they would put a flag up on the, the flagpole. All the descendants of Judah would put up the flag of Judah or the banner of Judah. And Issachar, all of the relatives of Issachar, the descendants of Issachar would put up their flag. 
And so they each had a flag flying while they were in camp. And if someone in Judah's camp, if, if someone of the tribe of Judah uh, was attacked, then all of the relatives would see that flag and they would come to that person's rescue. Okay, that uh, lets us know that Jesus is our Jehovah Nasi. And as we dwell in his camp and dwell in his shelter and we abide under the blood, then literally his flag is flying over us. I used to love the psalm that we would sing, that his banner over me is love. And when we're dwelling up close to him, then there literally is in the spiritual realm a banner that's flying over you. And, and that banner is his love, his protection, his grace. And it's declaring to the enemy that we belong to God and that that banner or that flag is there as a protection over us. I saw a movie years ago, and this little ship had gotten into enemy waters. They hadn't intended to, but they'd gotten out in enemy waters. And so the enemy was ready to fire on the ship. And all of a sudden, the little ship suddenly just raised the flag of the United States. They just put the flag up. And when they did, that flag was flying over this little ship, and it became the ship's protection because, see, they pulled all their guns back. Why were they so willing to pull their guns back when it was just a little ship? They could have blown them out of the water uh, so easily. Well, the reason is because they realized that if they fired on this little ship, they were going to have the whole United States to contend with. Because, see, that flag said that this ship was dwelling under the protection of the U.S. government. And they had the protection of the entire country behind them because of the flag that was flying over them. Okay, that's a beautiful analogy if you'll just realize it because as we dwell in the shelter, dwell in the house of the Lord forever, as we dwell up close to him and remain in his presence, literally in the spiritual realm there is a banner that flies over it, us and it becomes a sign which tells the enemy that the entire host of heaven is backing us up and that to attack us at that point is to attack the whole uh, host of heaven. They'll have the whole host of heaven to contend with. Now, another word for flag or our banner was the word sign. And remember that Moses told the children of Israel when they were getting ready to, to leave Egypt on the night of the Passover, he told them to kill a lamb and put the blood on the doorpost, and that would be a sign. Okay, another word for sign is banner, or another word for banner and sign is protection. So he was saying that's going to be a sign or that's going to be a banner or a flag, and when the death angel sees it, the death angel will pass over. That's another beautiful promise. He is our Jehovah Nisi. He is the Lord, our banner. He's the Lord, our protector. Now, where his banner is, where his blood is, the destroyer cannot come. Now, he wants us to know him by his name. There's nothing that feels better than to go someplace and have somebody remember your name. You know, you'll walk in and they'll walk up and call you by name and it just makes you feel so good. And we love it when we read the scriptures, just like the one that we read a while ago, where it tells us that Jesus knows us by name. He said, you're mine. I know you by name. He said, even the hairs of your head are, are numbered. But, you know, it's not just important for him to know our name. It's very important for us to know him by his names. And names were important to God. That's why he's given us all of his different covenant names. I'm going to read you out of Psalm 91 here because in Psalm 91, verse 14, God is saying, because he has loved me, I'll deliver him. I'm going to set him securely on high because he has known 
my name. Okay, that's a promise. And, and put your name in there, you know, and say, Lord, because I know you by name, you said you're going to sit me securely. Let me sit securely on high by you. Now, this literally applies to Psalm 23 when you realize that. Because any time that you're needing strength, you know him by name, call him by name, call upon your Jehovah Maus for your strength. When you're needing protection, then read your Psalm 23 and call upon him as your Jehovah Nasi. Dwell in his shelter. Call upon his name. When you're afraid, call upon your Jehovah Shamish and begin to confess out loud, Lord, I thank you that you're ever present. You're ever near. You never leave me and you never forsake me. When you're needing healing, call upon your Jehovah Rapha, the healer. When you're needing forgiveness, call upon him as your Jehovah Sidkenu. Now, the last scripture that I want to give you is in John 10, verse 11. Because this sums up the good shepherd so beautifully. And in John 10, verse 11, the first thing he says is, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Okay, Jesus came not to just fulfill the covenant promises, but God sent him to be all of these things to us. He's going to be our shepherd. He laid down his life in order that he could be all of these things to us. And then in verse 14, he said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. My own know me by name. That is so important. You know, David, by the power of the Holy Spirit, saw all of these things in the great shepherd. And that's why he wrote Psalm 23. He saw all these covenant promises. He knew his shepherd. And that's why he was confessing all of these promises by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. And as he was describing the shepherd, basically he was saying, the Lord is my Jehovah Jireh. And, and he, he said that when he said, that's why I'm not going to have any wants of any kind. The Lord is my Jehovah Rapha. He pours oil in my wounds. The Lord is my Jehovah Shalom. He's my peace. He leads me beside these still waters and brings me peace. He's my Nasi. As I dwell in his shelter, then he, he literally is my Nasi. He's my banner over me. David was seeing him as his Sid Canoe when he said, he's going to lead me in right pathways. He's my Jehovah that gives me righteousness. He's my Jehovah Maus. He gives me the strength. His rod protects me. He's my Jehovah Shamish. I'm not going to be afraid because he's always there. Now, most scholars believe that David wrote Psalm 23 before he ever met the giant Goliath. Now, David had a relationship with the Father, and he knew all of these things about his good shepherd, and that's why he was able to meet the giant. He knew that his Lord, and he knew him in all of these different covenant ways, and therefore he could approach the giant completely unafraid. Now, David's confession here should be an example to us because instead of looking then at the problem and confessing the problem, he wants, the Lord's wanting us to come to a place where we seek the Lord as he has revealed himself through all these different covenant promises. And when we do that, then we too are going to be able to face the enemy. We're going to be able to overcome any problem that comes our way. Now, Psalm 23 is like a prescription. If the Lord tells us that he's given us all these promises in this one little capsule, we need to take it in every day. If your doctor told you to take a pill twice a day, you would do it faithfully. Okay, I'm going to tell you to take Psalm 23 and read it every day, twice a day if possible, and allow all these different covenant promises within these different covenant names, allow these things to come alive to you, and you're going to find that as these truths become a reality to you, 
you're going to come into a new dimension in your spiritual growth. You're going to come into a new place in the Lord that you've never experienced before. Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself in so many, many beautiful ways to us. But Lord, how exciting it is to find one little psalm that describes so many of your beautiful names and your beautiful promises to us. Lord, thank you for this one precious promise, this, this pearl uh, in the psalm, that we can take it and, and meditate on it and confess it and allow this to come alive on the inside of us. Lord, we want to come to know you in all of these different ways. And Lord, if there, if there are any of these ways in which we've not known you, then, or, or we've not known you well, then, Lord, I pray that you'll just pull us in that direction until we experience you, until we truly know you by name in this area. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. Please share this teaching with anyone you think it would minister to. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org.